We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sorry about the audio, guys. It's not what you're used to in terms of quality. I promise we're going to get it right next time. We just had a few technical difficulties, so enjoy the podcast as is. And thanks. Bear with us, please. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is. With Giancarlo Nava and Ryan Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm Giancarlo Nava and here with me today, again, is not my normal co-host, Brian Goins. I have Jack Alfonso from HeatBeatMiami.com and... We have a guy from Cleveland. We have David, whose last name I can't say. David, would you like to tell the audience your last name so I don't mess it up? Uh, Zavak. Zavak. Where's that from? That sounds cool. Uh, it's Hungarian, but it's also changed. So it's it's really nothing. It's changed at Ellis Island. It sounds complicated. David's all right, right? That works. <laughs> so I, we all got our coffee because, I mean, the audience doesn't know, but we're recording and it's the morning. So do we all have our coffee in and, and we're ready to go? Yeah. Yes. I just had my coffee, so I'm happy. So I, I want to start. Um, oh, and we can, uh, David, do you want to tell everybody where they can read your work and stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I write for Fear the Sword, which is SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers Editor uh, website. At Fear the Sword. Yeah, ma- yeah managing editor. Yeah, so uh, we, we run that. Um, and so, uh, I don't know when we're going to get this posted, but I'll be covering game three in, in Cleveland tomorrow. So, uh, we'll have all kinds of good coverage, uh, at Pure the Sword. Well, David, I mean, last night they ran over the Hawks, like ran them over. Uh, what have you taken from just the playoffs as a whole? I mean, obviously like they've been decimated with injury, but outside of that, is there anything that you can take from what they've done? Uh, I mean, I think 
Iman Shumpert and Tristan Thompson have been really, really good. Uh, J.R. Smith has been really, really good. Uh, they're getting they're getting three point shooting from guys um, that maybe you wouldn't expect. James Jones had some threes last night. Obviously, he can shoot, but I mean, he, at this point in his career, it's it's amazing he's even on the court. Um, but they they've really stepped up their defensive intensity. LeBron's defending. Um, they've really changed up. You know the way that they've played without Kevin Love and now Kyrie Irving. Um, you know they're they're a good defensive team right now. Which it's kind of weird, right? I mean, and maybe that might be because of the teams that they've played. But nevertheless, like they've played, like they're holding a team that was one of the top offensive teams to not do anything. Jack, have you seen anything that they're doing differently? Or there, I mean. Other than, I think the additions of, you know, Mozgov, Iman Shumper, and um, just J.R. Smith really helped, but they've really turned it up in the playoffs, like you said. And yeah, you could say they're only playing Eastern Conference opponents, but I mean, the Hawks won 60 games, and even though they're may, they may be a little cold from three, I mean, they're still a formidable opponent. Weren't they like 50 and 9 at one point? Like, weren't the Hawks 50 and 9 at some point in this year? I think so. They're they're a strong team. What the hell happened to them? It's impressive. But they're not strong anymore. Well, I mean, the NYPD took out one of their players. (laughs) And then, I mean, Damari Millsap. Millsap looks awful. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with... I mean, is is he still hurt or what? Like... I mean, I'm sure he's a little bothered. I mean, Tristan Thompson on ball probably is that good. Um, we've really seen that all year. Um, part of it's just that the only Cavs that are still healthy are the Cavs that play good defense. Um, Which is kind of helpful, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's – I mean, you – you add, you know, you give Iman Shumpert more minutes and you lessen the minutes that are going to, to Kyrie and, and you you decrease from Kevin Love's minutes and you add to Tristan Thompson. I don't think they're better than they were overall, but they're winning really the only way that they could. Now, what doesn't feel as sustainable is, is some of the three-point shooting that they're getting. I don't... JR. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna. I don't know how they're gonna keep scoring. the The defense actually feels more sustainable than the offense. Are they gonna pay Tristan? Like, he's gonna want to. I mean, if DeAndre Jordan's gonna go for a hundred million dollars, I don't know what that sets the market for Tristan Thompson. And we know that LeBron wants him there, and I think that organization is gonna do whatever makes him happy. Or I could be wrong, but are they gonna pay him like an obscene amount of money? I mean, he's helping his case. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've always been a defender of him. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I thought he'd be this good, but um, you know, he's a 20. Here's the thing about him: he turned 24 last month. Uh, you know, how many how many young bigs in the NBA defend well? Um, there really just aren't very many of them. The ones that do are like Anthony Davis and Hassan Whiteside and um, Whiteside's not really even that young anymore but um, they'd sort of do it by sheer force of will. Um, Yeah, right. Um, But even was I mean, it took Gasol some time, right? I mean, yeah, his, I think it's, his development was weird. It, it 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 went from being an average NBA player to being really good kind of quickly. Yeah, I just think like most bigs don't become really good defenders until they're 26, 27. Um, I think Tristan's a little ahead of schedule. He's athletic. He works really, really hard. 
Um, and I'll usually bet on the like if you're athletic and you work hard and uh, and you're a big, you know, I, I, I'm gonna bet on you. And I, I think well, I also Cavs, think his his offensive load isn't as much as other bigs, so he can use the extra energy on that on that end of the floor. Right, or exactly. Fine offensive rebounding, which he's like right, really exactly. good at. He's in the perfect situation, and he's doing probably more than you could even expect. So um, I think he is going to get paid. I think that, you know, if it's under $63 million, I'm going to be okay with it. Um, oh, I, I, I think it's going to be more than that. You don't think he's going to ask for $80 million? Uh, I think the most he can get from another team is 4 and 67 you don't think oh, one I, of those you don't think one of those teams that like desperately needs a big won't won't throw a lot of money at him? I hope they do. Like I mean I hope that I hope he signs uh you know the the max he can sign with somebody else is 4 and 67. So that's that's fine. That's the most he can go with another team. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay. That, that's my understanding of, of the salary cap. And if and if that's what Cleveland gives them, are you okay with that? Yeah. I mean it's not and Do you think I, they will? As long as LeBron James and Kevin Love are on the team, I think I think he's worth that. Well, I think that's a well. What if what if Kevin Love's not there? Well, I mean, we're seeing that he's doing pretty well with Mozgov or with LeBron at the four. So, again, I, I think he's I think he's going to keep getting better. I don't know how much better he's going to get, but I think he's great. Like I think that he yeah, will. He's, he's really valuable right now. So. Well, I also want to get into LeBron and Jack. I know that we've seen him for the last four years and some of his more efficient years. I'm going to tell you guys some numbers, which are pretty crazy. Um, I'm, I'm looking at his advanced metrics right now. He has a career-high usage rate in the playoffs at almost 36. He's 35.9. A career low in true shooting percentage, which is in the 40s. Um, it, it, that's kind of like... I mean that's nice. that's well below league average, but his true, his true shooting in the playoffs is under fifty. Yeah, it's like forty. Let me tell you right now, it is. I just had it right now. It's forty nine point. It's it's four nine six. Uh, with a career high usage, which is a qualifier as well. He's at a, thir- a thirty six usage, but his counting stats are incredible. He's like twenty seven nine and eight, which is ridiculous. Jack, what the hell's going on with him? Like, he's putting up the numbers, and he's also not doing it efficiently offensively. Well, I think, um, especially towards the beginning of the playoffs, he was especially inefficient. inefficient. Um, Butler kind of made him work for his shots, and um, I think you're just seeing a change from in Miami where he was just going into the post a lot more. And now where it's more perimeter oriented, he's, you know, handling well, the ball on the wind. As well. He's playing with two bigs. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he's been bad. I think his shot's been really cold. I think he's shooting under 20% from three. I'm probably wrong about that. I haven't checked recently, but he's been cold from three is what I'm saying. And that's not helping him. But, I mean, he's still been great. I think he's been passing it really well. The turnovers were an issue in the Chicago series, but I think it's undeniable that he's still been an amazing player. 
He's at three, about three turnovers a game for the playoffs. And you asked about his three-point percentage in the postseason. It is under 20%. It's uh, 16%. Yeah. Which is crazy for him because last year he shot 40% in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, think, I'm, I'm amazed that it's that low. At the same time, I, I, I do think that he's he's been playing pretty well. I think part of it's that, you know, he goes out there, the Cavs start, and they play Timo Mazgov, who doesn't shoot. Tristan doesn't shoot. shoot. Shumpert, not really a good shooter, although he made some last night. And then Matthew Delavadova. I mean, it's like... It, you know, if, if he left spacing Nirvana in Miami, um, that's not where he is right now. Now, the Cavs can give him lineups. They can put Tristan at the five, LeBron at the four. Does he uh, play a lot of four? When Kyrie Irving is is alive, yes. Um, but when Kyrie can't play, he basically has to play point guard. So now, um, David, I want to ask you because I'm I'm sure that you also. I mean, the Heat were on TV a lot uh, the last four years. Biggest difference between the system that Cleveland runs and the one that Miami ran. As someone who's watched LeBron probably his whole career, what's the biggest difference from then and now? I mean, I I don't I think that I think that the difference is were sort of overplayed because I think he was hurt at the beginning of the year or he was not in shape at the beginning he of the year. I don't, at all. Right. So um, I think he had a couple rough months. He took his break. After that, I think, you know, we're sort of back to seeing, you know, the, the, the LeBron that we're used to. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah. He, you know, the, I do. I do think that he played in the post more in Miami. Although we've seen more of him in the post in the playoffs, but um, you know, I, I just it's it's a tough question for me to answer because I don't know how healthy he's been. Um, but I don't think that the systems are that different. He's the he's the ball handler in a pick and roll a lot. Uh, I, I think more than he was in Miami. Um, you know, he just had to play a little bit more point guard here because other than Kyrie, there there really isn't a ball handler. And is that is that okay for them? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, I think part of it's you know you mentioned the turnovers being up. I think you know people get mad at him for settling for jump shots, and they should. But then you know he gets aggressive and he turns the ball over, and people get mad about that. Well. You know, if if he attacks the basket, he's probably going to turn the ball over a little bit. That's part, that's part of it. He know, has the highest usage in the regular season this year than he has more than any year in Miami. I think you have to go back to 2009, 2010 when he had a higher usage than this year, which he has it at 32. Yeah, and actually what's interesting about that is when if you look at when he shared the court with Kyrie, his usage rate was like 28 or 29. When he was on the court without Kyrie, LeBron's usage rate was over 40. Oh, wow, that's so, the Westbrook numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like, he basically, anytime Kyrie has not played, he has been, you know, yeah, Westbrook or maybe maybe even Dwayne Wade in 06 for you guys. You know what I mean? Like, or maybe not even 06, that, that year before before everyone came the mv3 year yeah when he was like uh when he was on the island you know i don't know know but that he's the only player ever to average over 30 points and have a per over 30 in a year look i mean i 
That was nuts. I was a Marquette fan. So when LeBron went, when LeBron went to Miami, the biggest disappointment for me was that I had to start hating Dwayne Wade. Look, I mean, <laughs> Dwayne Wade is is phenomenal. I think he's I, I think his career is better than Kobe. You know, whatever. Oh, get, look at that hot take. I'm gonna get in trouble, but I am I am a big Dwayne Wade fan. He what he has done is is incredible. Jack, did you know that that he has he has the only season of a PR over thirty and over thirty points a game? I think I've heard that before. From I've you tweeted probably. that. Yeah, because I love that. You stat. either wrote about it or tweeted it, and it's pretty. I mean, he was a force in 08, like just from like oh six to you know two thousand ten, he was insane, and when he was having like Jermaine O'Neal and Michael Beasley as his. Do Other you remember, options. Jack, he put up numbers. Jack, do you remember when Jermaine O'Neal broke in the playoffs against the Celtics that he didn't remember how to play? Man, he's in. Uh, he was pretty The year bad. before the victory got together, that he just David. I'm t- like Jermaine O'Neal had a pretty solid year. He was having yeah. double doubles. I think he was top ten in the league in rebounding that year, and then he got hurt. And when he came back, he could not buy a jump shot. Like, wide open shots, could not make layups. It was kind of like watching Noah on offense. It was insane. Yeah, O'Neal had like a little late renaissance as a defender, but it was nuts, like, how quick he went because he was really good. And then he had a good year in Miami. And then after he got hurt in, like, I think it was a Bulls game at the end of the year, that he just was never the same. Yeah, he broke down quick. Like that was he just fast. dropped off. He decomposed right before our eyes. Like that was fast. <laughs> Poor Jo, man. <laughs> David, I want to ask you because, and I'm sure you've noticed. I don't know how it was when when LeBron was in Miami, but I know now Heat Twitter gets very angry at LeBron and the Cavs and Cavs fans, and every time Cleveland plays, it's just everybody's mean, like. Was it like that when he was over here? Like, it's ridiculous how personal some people get. Yeah, there weren't very many Heat. There aren't. Well, actually, there are. It's crazy how many Heat fans there are, you know, in in Cleveland. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, LeBron is so good. And, you know, people spend a lot of time and money following these stupid sports teams. And, and we're doing it on a Saturday morning. So, no, I get it. Um, I was never somebody who got angry at LeBron. I was actually more just sad when he left. Um, but, you know, you are literally the only Heat Twitter person that I've ever really interacted with. So I can't really speak to it. Also, you uh, don't see it. You don't see what they do or like they don't tweet you and be yeah, mean? No I, don't. no, I don't. But, I, you know, I can speak to what Cleveland Twitter was like before LeBron came back. Um and there was actually just always this weird sort of contingent um, that really thought he was going to come back. I always thought they were crazy. Uh, but so did we. Th- there were a lot of people who... And Cleveland's relationship with LeBron is weird, man. Um, and really what's actually been nice about these playoffs is... Um, you know, LeBron has worked so hard defensively with Kevin Love out, with Kyrie Irving out. He could have sort of, you know, mailed in the season a little bit. But instead, like you mentioned, his his usage rate being that high, it, Cleveland fans kind of love that because it's kind of showing that 
he's trying everything that he can. You know, I mean, it's, you know, what the, the, the image when he left Cleveland was him having some elbow injury and sort of not, not going down swinging. Right. Um, and not only are the Cavs not going down swinging, I mean, they're swinging and they're actually connecting on some of these punches and it looks like we might make it to the finals. So, um, Cleveland's relationship with LeBron really as of right now this morning has never been better um but yeah i mean we we didn't really love miami fans while he was gone you know all the jokes oh they left early all that you know it's silly but those are the those are the silly things that you do as a sports fan i think no man i've seen jack and i know you can say because we see them all the time especially spoon like it's awful Oh my God! I'm like, what's wrong with you people? Like, they're mean about just like where like Cleveland is. They're mean about, and then it, it, they're very defensive. Heat fans are so defensive, and it's just, it's kind of weird to see, right, Jack? Like how how defensive and how angry people get, and like everything has to have a qualifier. Like it just can't, it, it cannot be just, oh wow, that team's really good. It's like everybody throws a bunch of qualifiers. The East is so bad. Look at the Hawks. They're frauds. The Bulls were hurt. Like, it's hilarious. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people seem to take it personally that LeBron left. Like, he was saying, Miami's not good enough. Like, I think he just kind of wanted to go home. And, you know, they had Kyrie and Kevin Love set to come up. And that was pretty nice. But I think a lot of people just seem actually, like, legitimately hurt that a basketball player decided to not play for a basketball team anymore. Why? It's kind of crazy. Why does it get to the point that people get angry? Like, it's just, it's strange. And then every time the Cavs play, it's like everyone has to, like, be an asshole. And I have no idea why. Yeah, I I mean, and and what you said, you know, Jack, about, about Miami fans taking it personally, that's exactly what happened with LeBron. It was... And and, I, and and that that's what I heard about, it. and that's what I I think you know national media or whatever didn't quite get, which is that you know the last three years before LeBron left, it was oh LeBron's going to go to to New York, oh LeBron's going to go to the, the Clippers. That must you know, be annoying. So all of these places, you know Miami, the nightlife, whatever. For three years, we were told. You know, Cleveland is not good enough for LeBron James. Uh, it's too small. You know, he's too big. He needs to go where he can get media deals, whatever. And then he went on TV and told us that they were right. Um, and so it was. It was the classic taking it personally. Um, and Would I, he have I don't... gone to a place that's more opposite than Cleveland, than Miami? No, right? So that's exactly right, you know? And then, then we have to hear, like, oh, you know, you're never going to get anybody because the weather sucks. You know, it was, it was a shot at Cleveland, or at least that's how it was perceived. Um, and that's why I think, you know, it took on, you know, the life that it did. And, and that's why people were so upset. But, um, you know, and, and that's also when he said, I'm coming home, and he wrote that letter as... You know, whether it was genuine or not, it was nice. You know, we'll take that. So, we'll I take. don't know. Well, actually, I, and I have a question for both of you. And, Jack, I think I already know your answer on this. Did you feel like the Heat got different coverage than the Cavs? That the Cavs got a more fair coverage nationally? Well, well I mean, I don't want to say 
that Cleveland's gotten. I don't think fair's a good word for what Cleveland's gotten coverage-wise. I don't think anytime you have LeBron on your team, you're going to get fair coverage. But I definitely think it's been better than it was in Miami. I think and whether that's a bias or that's people learning from the four years. I I mean I'd like to think it's people learning from the four years just to be positive about it, but it's I'll, definitely been different. It was pretty terrible the four years in Miami. It was Miami came off the finals and they were talking about trading Chris Bosch. Like they just won the at finals. At nine and eight. At nine and eight. Yeah. I think Jason Whitlock wrote a column saying uh, trade Chris Bosch. <laughs> Outside of the black thing. I can't think of many times because the Blatt thing was just unfair to Blatt. I mean, I don't, I don't know David Blatt. David Blatt comes off as not the nicest guy, not publicly, which is fine. Every, every Greg Popovich comes off that way too. But other than, I mean, they were the media was very unfair to Blatt. Other than that, uh, uh, David, is there anything that you felt that the national media covered uh, Cleveland unfairly? Um, you know. No, I mean, and everything made sense, right? I mean, it, it it's not crazy for a rich 25-year-old male to want to go spend his prime in Miami as opposed to Cleveland. Like, I love Cleveland, but I'm also a school teacher, right? I mean, it's like... Uh, I don't have the means or anything like that. So, um, no, it, it, everything. I'm not a. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't hate the media that much, or, or really take too many shots. Well, we are the media, uh, kind of. Yeah, I, I guess right. Um, but I just think. I, I think it's it it it, it, it it's. Fans are going to take stuff personal. That's that's what it is. That's how that's how it works. You can't expect fans to be rational. I think sometimes the media gets caught up and like, wow, those fans are crazy and out of control and so defensive. Well, yeah, they're going to defend their city. Like, now is that is that excusing crazy things that are said? No, um, but I think it's just it's 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 just a byproduct of of what it is. Well. And, and I do think that there's a lot of civic pride because, you know, I've never – I've lived in South Florida all my life, and I have never seen anybody – this te- this city never gets behind anything. Like, David, the best way I can describe to you Miami is that there's a building – there's a hotel building on the water, and it has a giant screen, and there's a dancing lady always on it, like a silhouette of a dancing lady. Like, that's Miami. That's what the city is. It's just weird, and, and, and a lot of people don't understand it. So Miami had sort of a civic pride about defending their weird – like when LeBron came, it was gluttonous. It was excessive. It was a party. It was just like it really encompassed the city. So this city really got behind it. And I've noticed how you know people from Cleveland are really proud of where they live. It's blue collar. It's, you know, whatever. It may be cold, but it's ours. Like we like it because – so I do think you're right that there's a lot of civic pride going on there with with – their sports teams and how people on the outside attack what you love and then you get defensive and angry exactly yep yeah and and it's it, it's funny how like sports is a thing that brings that out i think it's a little silly but i, I can also understand it but then i i don't know jack jack like you've noticed that every time cleveland plays then he twitter comes out and they have to defend the last four years like it needs defending well, I think part of that is I think they're responding to how the media has been kind of covering it or 
and oh, fans, thank you for especially that up, yeah. just kind of saying, you know, kind of crapping on Dwayne Wade, saying he wasn't good enough to for LeBron to stay with him or whatever, and just everybody diminishing what Spo, Spo did for the four years. And I guess just kind of taking away from what Miami did. And I think they're just trying to defend that because it was a great four years. And they don't want it to be remembered as just... A footnote. Yeah, a footnote in a player's history. How did you and how did Cleveland absorb those graphics of saying, or like the announcer saying... Kyrie Irving is the best team. I think it was Colin Cowherd who said it, actually, that Kyrie Irving is the best teammate LeBron's ever had. Like, how does Cleveland absorb that? Uh, it's dumb. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, actually, I see because a I lot of I don't want. By the way, I don't want to have a debate if, if Wade is better than Kyrie because I don't really care. But I think it's a ridiculous thing to argue. But I just want to know, how did people react to that in Cleveland? Was it like, a fist pump and in your face, Miami. Because I know Miami got so mad at that. They were so angry. Yeah. I don't think too many people care. I think it's kind of... I, Kyrie was really, 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 really good this year. Um, and so, you know, people are kind of... I think it's more people are excited that it's even a conversation. Um, I don't. I didn't see too many Cavs fans that were, like, cocky about that. Um Maybe I'm projecting my own view, which is that, no, Kyrie was not better than peak Dwayne Wade was. Um, but the fact that somebody would even bring that up is pretty cool. That's that's my official take. I don't know what, you know, are there Cavs fans that think Kyrie is the second coming? Absolutely. Um, I, I love be. him. We don't know. But, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, stuff like that's silly. But people get people get carried away. Or uh, or I think the other thing that was said on the broadcast that uh, or was it Jack? Was it Barkley or was who said that? Um, oh, LeBron's never had an Iman Shumpert and a J.R. Smith. Who who was it that said that? I think that was somebody on Twitter, um, Axelrod or something. And then everybody got up in arms. Oh, yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with that statement. But in a way, I think the implication was that Cleveland is a deeper team than Miami ever was. And I think they have depth in different ways. But I think Miami had insane depth with shooting and, um, you know, just Battier, Richard. Um, They had Mike Miller coming off, hitting seven threes after playing zero minutes before. James Jones wasn't getting minutes on that team. James Jones was getting people coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> David, did you ever see that? No. There's a... <laughs> James Jones never played. Like, he just rotted right. at the end of the bench here. And I think there's a... Somebody got a picture of James Jones. Um, the Cuban coffee, the cafecito in Miami. James Jones is stirring his little cafecito at the end of the bench. That was hilarious. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's so funny. If 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 that if, if if the guy who tweeted that is the guy that I think that you're talking about, he's he doesn't know what he's doing. So I think he's just trying to upset Miami fans, but I don't know. 
I don't know. It's just like these teams feel at least again, and I don't. I'm not part of Cleveland Twitter. Maybe David can help me answer this, but I, I do feel at least from the Miami side, this Cavs team and Miami are intrinsic, intrinsically connected forever and ever, just because of it's get it's hate watched and it's compared all the time because obviously the media is going to compare it, and why shouldn't they? And it's just like every time they play, he Twitter watches, and it's funny. And they hate watch. Have you seen the avatars, David, that uh, that are circling around Twitter? That uh, this is the Heat logo with the team the Cavs are playing with on the bottom. No, but I remember Cavs for Mavs. You know <laughs> that sounds yeah. hilarious. Wow, I wish we thought of something that clever. You've never seen that? No, there were people. There are there are Cavs fans with T-shirts, and it's the Cavs logo, and it just says Cavs, but with the C. It's crossed out, and there's the Mavericks M superimposed over it. Oh, my God. Um, These are real things that happened, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, what's interesting is if if LeBron never wins a title in Cleveland, um, you know, that's going to be really weird. And if, conversely, if LeBron wins two titles in Cleveland – I mean, there are there are going to be Cavs fans that just pretend that the Miami thing never happened. Uh, that that's an interesting yeah. point that you bring up. What if that does happen? Well, I know Miami's going to be so mad. Like Miami's going to be so mad. It, I mean, already Miami has to take the L. Like they made the Eastern Conference Finals with no love and like half of Kyrie. Like Miami has to take the L on that one. Could you imagine? David, how is Cleveland going to be if the Cavs take a game at Golden State, tied 1-1, going into Cleveland? Oh, it's going to be nuts. I mean, and, and that's why when you say LeBron had that has a true shooting percentage that low, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's crazy how the Cavs are doing this. And I mean, like I said, I, I think... I think it's the East mostly, don't you? Don't you? I mean, I don't, I don't think Atlanta is that bad, but I, I, I mean, the Cavs are playing some pretty good defense now. The Warriors are the Warriors, so I, you know, I don't know, but um, you know, we we get we still got to get through this series, so um, I don't want to say too much. It's just the conference is so historically bad, and for Atlanta, not what did he don't don't they go like droughts of five minutes without scoring or at least Corver had a good game yesterday, but Corver had been awful. Yeah, and Corver's probably not going to play in Game Three, so. and that's crazy. And, yeah. and to think that Kyrie's not who's their second best player? Is it is it Tristan Thompson? Right now, it it really might be. It's 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 either Tristan or. Or Amon or Jr. I mean, and you can. It's you can not an point. indictment on Tristan because I do think Tristan's a good player. But if Tristan Thompson's your second best player, like that's kind of nuts how they're going through the East with Tristan Thompson here, as their second most productive player. Here, here's what here's what the Cavs have going for them right now, and that's that they got they have seven seven players, but Iman can guard the one through three. LeBron can guard the one through four. Tristan can guard, you know, he switches out on the guards like everybody else. So they are just really, really versatile. Um, and they can they can give teams problems in different ways. So if you just think, like, how good is Tristan Thompson? Well, you know, he's a pretty good big. And if you think of Amon Chumper, well, he's, he's a fine wing. But, you know, David Blatt and LeBron have been able to, to squeeze – every ounce out of them 
um, and they deserve a lot of credit. Iman kind of reminds me of Courtney Lee uh, that year that the Magic went to the finals. He kind of does a lot of the similar things that Courtney Lee did. Be athletic, shoot, play defense, rebound. Yeah, yeah, there's something to that for sure. Now, I have a question, and I'm going to start with you, Jack. I'm of the yeah. opinion, and I, I want to preface this by saying that I think Kyrie Irving is a spectacular player, and uh, and he's he's only going to get better at defense, and he's going to keep improving, and his shooting this year has been unbelievable with LeBron. Do you think Kyrie Irving makes LeBron less efficient? And I only and I ask this not knowing the answer, and I also say this not having watched Cleveland as much as other people. But if you look at his numbers, and, and maybe David can bring better light to this because he, he's watched them more, but I want to start with you, Jack. I don't see, from what I see, I don't see Kyrie really moving off the ball. It's, it's a lot of stretching the floor more. Do you think Kyrie hurts LeBron in the sense of his efficiency? Because, I mean, he's shooting 48% this year, which would be his lowest since 2008. Well, what are you saying less efficient, less efficient compared to playing with Dwayne Wade or... Um... Just less of like does he does Kyrie Irving hurt LeBron? And it's a stupid question to ask, and, I, and I'm not trying to start. A I'm just asking, just from a clearly like, they're better when they both play, obviously. But is it the best fit? Because they um, do seem to have some kind of redundant skill set, like Dwayne and LeBron did. I think right now it may not be an amazing fit, but you gotta remember that Kyrie's really really young like you said and um i just think the fit will get better and better oh i do too by the way he progresses i think he'll learn to play with them more i think that's just more i don't think that's necessarily a Kyrie problem as it is there are two players that have kind of been you know ball dominant and now it's their first year together, it's and they're just figuring turn, things turn. out. Not like that they've Dwayne been and LeBron, Dwayne and LeBron were the same. It was your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Except the difference is, is that LeBron is taking probably not the shots he'd like to take in Cleveland as he did more in Miami, and I think that's reflected on his, on his shooting percentages. Uh, David, what do you think? Uh, you're, you're just wrong. <laughs> oh, no, and I, I, wa- I want you to tell me why I'm wrong, because I think I'm wrong too. Um. When when Kyrie when when LeBron has played and Kyrie has been on the court, uh, LeBron's true shooting rate is sixty. Uh, when LeBron has played and Kyrie has been off the court, his true shooting rate is fifty three. Um, That's amazing. LeBron's LeBron's usage without Kyrie, like I said earlier, is is forty point four. And his usage with Kyrie on the court is twenty nine point four. So, Kyrie is in some ways a better fit with with LeBron than Dwayne Wade. I didn't say better as well, but because he can shoot from three, uh, I think Kyrie was like a forty five percent plus spot up three point shooter this year. Um, he allows LeBron to relax a little bit more, which with his usage being down, um, he gives uh, he takes up a lot of attention so LeBron's true shooting rate is higher with Kyrie out there um, and uh, and you know I, I think I think it's been amazing watching how they played together this year the the Cavs offensive rating when they're when they're both out there they've scored 113.4 points per 100 possessions which would easily be the best in the NBA if it was for the whole year um, it drops by 
four and a half points per 100 possessions when LeBron is alone. So um, Kyrie was really, really good this year, but he was also really, really good for LeBron this year. Kyrie uh, was 41% from three this year, which is just crazy. Uh, and that, that's a big jump. Wasn't he a 35 36% shooter the year before that? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with variance, right? I mean, he, for his career now, he's, I think, a 39% three-point shooter. Um, he had a really bad November last year. He was just terrible. And then he, 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 he kicked it up into high gear. But, yeah, his 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 season-long numbers in his year three were not as good as, as I think people were hoping for. His mid-range has been great, too. It's at 46%. That's way above the average. He's a really good shooter. Which like, is really funny good. because his, his numbers in the paint are 35%, which are so far. I think that that's more, uh, that's more of him playing with two bigs. Yeah, that's part of it. And then uh, it's also funny how narratives go. I mean, people... Kyrie has some spectacular finishes in the lane. People think that he's the best finisher in the game. Or I've, you know, I've heard people say that. That's not true. He, he, he makes some acrobatic finishes. But where Kyrie is valuable is that um, nobody in the NBA is better at dribbling than he is. Um, and he's a very good shooter. And he's a good passer. Um, and he's a smart player. And he's fit in really well with, with LeBron. I want to I wanna ask you about Kyrie defensively. Yeah. And I think probably one of the most valuable things that Wade gave LeBron the first two years, because Wade's defense did go down after that, was the idea of them being probably the two... I actually wanted them to win co-defensive player of the year the first year that they were together because of what they did on the perimeter. And, and I know Jack can attest to this, how they would just load up on the strong side of the ball and just wreak havoc on pick and rolls, especially with Bosch back there. But like what they did and how quick they were to close out and how great they were as a tandem defensively, is that something that you can see Kyrie helping LeBron in doing? But again, Kyrie is limited by size. I don't know how tall he is, but he, he looks smaller than Wade. And is that something that he can eventually do? That havoc pick and roll defense? Uh, no, probably not. I mean, he's six foot two. He's like one ninety, probably. Um, it, you know, I, the NBA is weird when it comes to defense. Again, you know, I kind of mentioned it with Tristan. How many young bigs are good defenders? I mean, you can really just you can say that about any position. I think. Um, you know, people that were, you know, Mike Conley was talked about as an atrocious defender that would never defend. Now he's maybe the best point guard defender in the NBA. Um, Steph Curry, people thought he will never, ever be able to defend. Now he can. Um, I think Kyrie's gotten a lot better defensively. Um, is he still, you know, is he average yet? Probably not. Um, but I think he's. You know, was was doing a lot better. He shut down. He shut down Isaiah Thomas in the second two games of, of the series with the Celtics, and then he got hurt. Um, I don't. It's not something that I stress over very often, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, no, he's he's never going to be a Dwayne Wade defender. But I wasn't really asked if it was going to be Dwayne if they can kind of recreate that that pick and roll defense because I thought that was Miami's strength was just attacking the ball handler off the pick and roll. I mean that's kind of that's what you hope 
that a man jumper can do. Well, do uh, they need to do that with Moskov there? Like, is that a necessary? Like, I know Miami didn't really have a shot blocker back there, so the first priority was don't let the ball get in the paint. Is that yes. is that what Cleveland's going to try to do next year, or? They're going to play both ways. I mean, it, it depends. If you have Tristan playing, if you have Tristan playing center, you're just going to switch everything. If you have Mazgov, then yeah, you want to almost funnel things into the paint. So, um, what what's nice about the Cavs versus the Heat maybe is that you have a little bit more versatility built in. Jack, I want to ask you something about next year. About what? Now that we're talking about defense, I do want to ask you. They're going to have Whiteside. They're going to have Chris Bosh back, one of the best defending bigs in the pick and roll. And they're going to have Josh McRoberts. What What the hell are they going to do up front? Like, what are the defensive combinations that they're going to have? Because you can't play all three unless you want to play McRoberts at the three. But that might be a disaster because um, I don't think he can guard three. What, what do you think they're going to do? Um, I think it's just going to be really interesting. I mean, it all, you know kind of hangs on how Mick Roberts looks post um, Achilles injury and um, you know if Bosch looks great post um, blood clots which I think he will and um, I think Spolstra will just you know have a lot of combinations where they'll have really versatile that you know um, they can really defend any team I guess you know you can put out um, a small lineup of McRoberts and Bosch. Um, you can put out McRoberts and Whiteside, Whiteside and Bosch, and then you got Birdman there too if he's healthy. And hopefully they get a backup center. I think it'll just be a lot of really fun combinations, and Spolstra will figure out how to make that work best. I think it all depends on what team they're facing each night, just which one they go with uh david have you seen hassan whiteside play very much i know that you know they've played he's played cleveland i think every game um uh i think i've seen him maybe three or four times what what have you thought of what you've seen because like sometimes he looks like wholly impressive like wow yeah i mean i just think uh, i mean what i mean his floor you gotta do you have to by the way do you guys have to pay him this summer or oh what's, god what's, they, next they have summer to pay, yeah next summer and like i don't i have no idea what they're gonna have they're gonna have to give him the max right well no i mean let's just let's just chill out um but but and that's a conversation that's being happened like they're saying that he's gonna like if deandre jordan is gonna get a hundred million dollars DeAndre Jordan, which Hassan Whiteside is DeAndre Jordan with a post game and also a better rim protector. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Not that I think he's worth the max, but I think the market might call for that. Well, I think um, part of that is we just have to see what he does this coming year. I think on the pace he's at, you know, with the numbers he put up this year, how he looked this year when completely healthy, and even when he had one hand, he was putting up double-doubles. I think if he continues that next year and builds on it, I think there's no choice you're going to give him the max. Or David, somebody's going to. David, are you there? I, I think he's... Uh, oh, he's back! He's back! All right. David? 
All right. So yeah, so I mean, like they're gonna—I don't even know what they're gonna do because they're gonna have a surplus. They're gonna need him, right? David's back. Yeah, sorry about that. No, yeah, I was like, did, did David just die? <laughs> yeah, I have. I'm using this computer that, like, if it's not charged, it immediately dies, and then my dog knocked the cord out. So <laughs> you can tell your dog you're busy, okay? Yeah. I'm busy talking about something like this. Yeah, sorry. So do you just want me to pick yeah, up fin- where I was? Fin- yeah, finish your finish point, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I saw him three or four times. I think he's he's obviously got a ton of talent, and I do think a lot of it's sustainable just in terms of how big he is. Like, you can't change that. Um, I think, you know, his the, the mental side of, his, side of his game will get a bit better. But, but, I mean, you can't argue with the results, and, and he was pretty consistently good. So, um, now, I don't know if you're talking about the max. I think you might be looking at... You know, maybe four and forty, or maybe four and sixty. Oh no, I don't know about that. I mean, I know I'm not saying that he's going to get a hundred million dollars because I don't think his contract will let him. But I think that if was he that good? He was. I'm gonna let me let me get you some of his numbers. He was kind of ridiculous, and also it's what the market's going to call for. Which did Roy Hibber get a Roy Hibber got a max deal? That's true. Roy Hibber limited. Roy Hibber. Um, let me let me tell you some of his numbers. Um, but yeah, he was. I know he led the Eastern Conference in, in PER, which was kind of nuts. Um, he was eleven points, ten rebounds, with three blocks, and that was encompassing everything. Even the games that he played early in the year, that he was only playing like three or four minutes. I know his January is his February. He was fourteen and thirteen with two and a half blocks. His March was twelve and ten with three blocks. His April was sixteen and twelve with three blo- with uh, three point two blocks. Those are DeAndre numbers. I mean, what DeAndre is doing isn't very different. I don't think, at least from its and and his rim protection numbers. He was in the top. He was in the top 10 in rim protection for people his position that had played his amount of minutes. And in addition to that, um, I think he led the league in contested rebound percentage, which is getting a rebound uh, within uh, three feet of another defender. So that was that's the stat I like most about him because he can rebound in traffic, get those tough rebounds that they're going to need considering Chris Bosch isn't great at rebounding anymore. Here's what I would be worried about. And maybe, I mean, this, this is this is like a cross-sport analogy, so it might not even make any sense. But um, if you think of like a young Major League Baseball pitcher that comes up from the minors, like a big prospect, and just he goes, he, he'll have like three or four starts where he's just untouchable, unhittable. It's because nobody in the NBA, or nobody, sorry, nobody in Major League Baseball has seen him pitch. There's no, there's no book on him. They don't know what pitches he's going to throw. And he's just dominant until people can sort of figure out, okay, this guy has two pitches. And then, you know, they catch up to him a little bit, and then the, the pitcher has to adjust. Um, I think next year you'll start to see teams adjust on white side a little bit more, and then you'll figure out what he, what he can do to that. So um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't jump the gun just yet, but... Uh, but oh, the, completely agree. Very good. And he has no left hand offensively. 
Um, he can do a little turnaround left hook if the defender is overplaying the right side. But other than that, he he's, he has a, a jack. I mean, maybe you can help me out with this. He has a pretty nice post game. He has a baby hook. He can do a little running hook. He has he has some footwork. He has actually very good footwork. He's improved a lot. He just has no left hand. Yeah, he has a very good post game, and I 100% agree with what David was saying about defenses adjusting to him. And I mean, Miami can't extend him until next summer, anyway. So yeah, David, they're stuck. I mean, it's they not cannot, even an option. They cannot uh, buy the contract. They can't even offer an extension. He has to become a free agent. Sorry, my dog was shot. Is it a big dog? Uh, no, medium. He's a lab. Okay, he's not a little dog. <laughs> Jack, do you have pets? Do I have what? Do you have pets? Yeah, um, I have a couple cats, and I watch some dogs sometimes. My sister wants a cat so bad. I've never had a pet. I've lived my life. My mom never let us get pets when we were growing dog. up. No dog, no cat. I think I had a turtle for a little bit, but it was like a very temporary situation. Do you think LeBron, a, does LeBron have pets? I don't know. David? Maybe. Oh, what, he would what's probably know. Does LeBron have pets? Do you think LeBron has pets? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine you just see LeBron walking his little dog? LeBron would have a little dog, and he's just walking his little dog. That's a funny visual. Greatest basketball player in the world walking a little dog. Little chihuahua? No, <laughs> yeah. that'd be hilarious. All right. Well, back to, I mean, the white side thing, I think um, if you just look at his per 36, he's averaging, he averaged 18 points, um, four blocks, 15 rebounds, and a steal. Um, he's got to work on passing. I think that's more of a mental thing than he just being unable to do it. But um, I just think he's been he was phenomenal this year, and he if he replicates that production with increased minutes and um, teams game planning for him, I think you're paying him a lot of money. I mean, the market's gonna offer him the max. David. And it just depends how he does next year. David. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Would you like to know Hassan Whiteside's assist per month? Please. He had a... (laughs) He averaged 0.1 assists in December, 0.2 in January, so career high over here. February, 0.1, March, 0.1, and April, 0.1. Yeah, I still remember when Byron Scott was the coach of the Cavs rookie, his uh, Tristan's rookie year, and they somebody asked about Tristan's low assist numbers, and they said like, you know, oh, he's got two assists in the last month, and um, and uh, Byron was basically just like, uh, I don't remember him passing once, so. <laughs> So yeah, I've I've been there. Um, I think young young bigs who are already limited. The game's so fast, and and trying to make you know a second read or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. He has six assists in the forty-eight games he's played. That's yeah, hilarious. Not, yeah. How many? Uh, do you know Tristan's offensive rebounding numbers, uh, David? 
not off the top of my head. I know he's he's like sixth in offensive rebounding rate in the league or somewhere around then. Um, per minute, he's right up at the top. Really, like Andre Drummond is ahead of him. Um, but that's that's usually the the one guy that's that's probably a better offensive rebounder. Um, some teams just don't value offensive rebounding. It's actually one of the most interesting sort of things going on. Everybody talks about the value of three pointers nowadays. You have teams like Atlanta is one, the Spurs are one, Doc Rivers and Boston, and now the Clippers. These guys just do not think offensive rebounds are important or good. And they don't they want do- you to get back on defense. They say don't try. Right. Yeah. Just get back. Yeah. Right, but but I but I watched Tristan Thompson put so much pressure on opposing bigs that it's not like teams are getting out and running on the Cavs. I mean, these guys are just trying to get the rebound. Um, so you know, it's it's interesting how how different teams sort of value things, but. Um, I, I can tell you it's valuable for the Cavs. Post All-Star break, Tristan Thompson has 2.6 offensive rebounds a game. Hassan Whiteside has 3.3. To put that into perspective for people, to just how big and giant and like aggressive both those guys are. They, they, that, that. I agree with you. There is a value in. Um, and having guys who can put pressure on that end and get you some mix. Especially when you have guards like Irving. How you said Irving's not the best finisher. It kind of helps to have a guy like Tristan Thompson to help him out. Right. And, and the, you know, and it depends on what, what the team is, too. I mean, when you have Kyrie, Kevin Love, and J.R. Smith out there with LeBron, and then they happen to miss, and then you have Tristan Thompson there, I mean... The Cavs' offense from January on was unreal, and um, you know, it's, well, they they were putting up historic point numbers. It was crazy, and they weren't even. I think they were fifth, and they weren't even like that high in pace. I think I was no, reading. No, we're not. We're like in the twenties in pace. Yeah, they don't play at a fast pace, and they just put a ton of points up. It was insane. I I don't. I think it was like over like four hundred minutes over the season, but lineups with. The big three, you know, if you want to call them that, Kyrie, Kevin, and, and LeBron, plus Tristan, were scoring like 122 points per 100 possessions. Which is nuts. Which is just an obscene number. Which is insane. Uh, like that, that offense that they have is just, it's ridiculous. Right. And then, you know, all we heard all year was that we're misusing Kevin Love. And it's kind of like, how... You oh, know, that must annoy the hell out of you. It, it kind of does because... Look, and if Kevin Love's mad, then that's something that you have to look at. But I don't understand how you can say an offense scoring at that rate is misusing anyone. I just think that that's a product of analysts who are on television now come from a different age of basketball. <laughs> no, and it, yeah. it is, it's, it's a joke that I see on Twitter all the time of Charles Barkley saying Draymond Green is too small and Draymond Green is out here guarding Dwight Howard. And then they go, he's too small, Ernie. Like, what? Yeah. Like, the game is yeah. different. It's a different It's a different league. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, yeah, it, 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 and it, it's insane. Um, I don't like to do prediction radio or prediction podcasting, so I'm not. I do want to end on one final question for, for David, and it's something I actually wanted to get to earlier. I was curious. It would appear to me that people in Cleveland really hate Ethan Skolnick. Is that an accurate thing for me to say? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw me standing up for him yesterday. I, I like him a lot. Um, 
I think he's very good at what he does. I think he's a, um, one of the most fair basketball writers there, there are. I agree. I agree. Um, I think, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, with which he lives in Miami. People associate him with LeBron's time in Miami. Um, I think Bleacher Report is kind of an easy target, even though he's very good. Um, so, yeah, I do think he gets... I think he gets a little bit more hate than he should get in terms of he shouldn't get any. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he's very good at what he does, but he certainly does get pushback from Cleveland fans. Yeah, no, I always, I always, there's always a little contention. Even with guys in the in Cleveland media or Cleveland bloggers, there's some contention with him when he says something pro-Miami and, and not pro-Cleveland. I just I always thought that was funny. Yeah. All right, boys. Thank you very much. It's been a fun hour. Um, you guys, okay, Jack, well, you know Jack yeah, is on keepymiami.com. Jack, you want to give out your Twitter? Um, at Alfonso Hoops, A-L-F-O-N-S-O, Hoops. Well, Jack and I are going to be doing a, another podcast soon, uh, closer to draft day, because the Heat are a bunch of Ooh. losers, and they have a lottery pick, so I'm going to have to do that embarrassing show. David, do you want to give out your Twitter handle and tell people, again, where they can find your work? Yeah, go to, go to furywithsword.com and uh, at David Zavak. So David and then Z-A-V-A-C. He's really good, you guys. I mean, I, 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 I'm not like you guys on Twitter that hate all of Cavs Twitter, but he's really, really good. He does good work, and he's really funny, and he's really insightful. He's a, he's a really nice guy, so give him a follow. You don't have to give Jack a follow. <laughs> I'll say this for you, man. I mean, I you, you asked me that, uh, that question about LeBron earlier and how he's different, and I actually didn't watch a ton of LeBron when he was in Miami. Was you didn't hate watch LeBron? What kind of calendar are you? Oh, I'm like it's too painful. Like I said, I was more sad than angry. But um, I miss you know, him so much. Like I said you were the only Miami fan that I've followed, so I, I I really enjoy I enjoy following you as well. I enjoy and I enjoy reading your stuff. It's, it's always great, and I hope that the listeners you can listen and enjoy this podcast. And I want to thank David and Jack again. Again, uh, well, I want to make an announcement. He beat Miami is going is undergoing another remake. We got a professional uh, web designer who is redoing. Our, our webpage is going to look nice and professional like that crap I made so please guys keep checking the website I will update you as that goes Jack and I and other guests will be doing a podcast on the draft soon because again we're losers and we have lottery picks and Jack, Jack's obsessed with young players and uh, so, so until next time thank you boys very much thank you thanks for the time right, bye thanks. Jack bye David bye